Let me introduce myself. My name is Joe. I am the next gen pastor here at Fieldstone. And Justin's not here, so I'm in charge. Yeah, so I can do whatever I want. No, I can't because there's board members here and they could fire me. Um, no, <laughs> they could. But uh, the idea of this next generation, specifically with the title uh, of my job position, next generation, let me tell you something. Uh, I have a little bit of beef with it. That's a millennial term. Um, I have a little bit of beef with it in the sense of I'm not like... When, when we say the word next generation, sometimes there's this kind of undertone that comes with it. Like, especially when we use it within the church world, we almost say the next generation, and we almost assume, like, once they get older, they will be great. Like, they'll be able to do something for God's kingdom, where I would take the standpoint, like, no way. The, the next generation is more like the now generation, I honestly believe, especially kids, middle school and high schoolers, I have seen some kids in middle school and high school really take their faith and go out and share Jesus and ultimately go around and build the kingdom like better than some adults have. And so a lot of times when we talk about the next generation, uh, it's with the idea of now. It's the idea of what are they doing now. And so today's talk, we are really going to talk about this next generation. And really, it's the now generation. But to start us off, I really want to break down who the next generation is right now. Uh, the next generation right now, the one that is kind of coming up through kids, middle school, and high school, they are actually classified as Generation Z. Adults in the room, millennials are dead. Like, we, we stopped a long time ago. Um, millennials have thought to be kind of generation starting to end around 95, uh, like when they stopped becoming like born, like 95, like Generation Z kind of took off from there. And it was really with the start of the internet. Uh, once the internet came into play, that, that's kind of the, the signal of a, a new generation. And really Generation Zs are, are people that have been uh, around internet constantly uh, and how that has shaped and transformed their life. I like to say Gen Zs were really about 2000. Um, 2000 to, to present. But there are some very interesting things about Gen Z. One thing that I want to do, I do want to point out that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Uh, the Generation Z population right now is the largest in the world. It is the largest population. It is bigger than Gen X. It is bigger than baby boomers. It is bigger than millennials. And no one's really talking about this generation that is coming up right now. Uh, and so... Like, as we interact with this younger generation, and there's a lot of Gen Zers sitting out here right now currently, uh, we need to kind of understand where they're coming from. Here's a couple things about Generation Z uh, that we should understand. First thing that, that studies have shown is that Generation Z is way different than millennials. You see, I'm a millennial. I'm the one that everyone hates. Um, I'm the one that feels like the privileged millennial. But listen, uh, millennials tend to have a different men mentality than Gen Z. Millennials had a very me mentality. If I want something, I go do it. It was all about me. Uh, we see that within parenting styles in millennials. We see that in how they were raised and how they did school and everything like within that, that uh, generation. The Gen Z culture is, is completely different. They take on a we personality. 
a we personality. And they honestly believe that when they gather together, and, and you, you see this through social media, you see this on the news and media, when they believe that together they can really make a change. That, that there really is power in numbers. And, and really, you see a lot of protests and, and social justice stuff, and, and that's gathering. It's not all about Trump. It's really like this generation coming up, and, and they have this mentality of we, that, that we can really change the world. Uh, Generation Zs also are radically inclusive. Radically inclusive. We see that with the birth of the internet uh, and the way that they view friendships, the way that they view people, because uh, most Gen Zs haven't known a world without internet, which is super weird to think about, even as a millennial. Like, they haven't known a world without internet, so the way that they see friendships are way different than us adults. They, they almost hold, like, Instagram and Facebook friends and, and followers and all that at the same level as in-person friendships. Like, they, they see, and the, and the vice versa, that those friendships online influence them. They influence who they are as a person just as much as someone in person. And so when you start to think about that and you think about how the internet has really transformed and really defined who this generation is, we see that they're radically inclusive. Uh, We also see something. They view money and finances way different. They view money and finances way different because they've watched my generation uh, go into debt. <laughs> they watch my generation say, you know, college is the only way and, and rat, you know, do all this debt and you're 30 and you're living in the basement. Like, they've heard stories like that. They've gone through 2008 where the market crashed and people lost houses and they've seen parents and businesses closed and cities get ruined. Like they've seen this all, they've experienced it, they've heard about it. And it's not just like in person, they've seen it through the internet. And so they've had all this information uh, come at them. So the way that they look at money and finances, I personally believe, you might not see this, but I think in the future they're gonna be better with finances than millennials were, for sure. They're going to look at debt, loan, and all that way differently than we did. And one of the things that's crazy to think about that us adults tend to not think about, uh, they haven't seen our country not in war. They've never seen America at peace, which is crazy to think about, but the, the way that, that has developed them and, and really why they are called Generation Z is because they have a mentality, a little bit of a mentality that they think they're the last generation, that that's how they kind of live life, that they need to fix something before it just, the world like blows up. And, and they kind of have this mentality that, that they might be the last generation because of everything that has been influenced by them over the last 21 years. And so when we do talk about this generation, uh, we need to take that into context, and as we interact with them, then we can understand them a, a little bit more and then maybe throw in a yeet every now and then, right? As we talk with them, yep. Um, no, so today we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about this idea of intergenerational church. Justin kind of me- mentioned it up there, and really, what does that look like for all of us in this room? What does it look like to incorporate this concept of intergenerational within our church? And then we're going to talk about parenting. And really, the goal of today is to look at some statistics of this next generation that is coming up, and how does the church play a role within them retaining their faith? 
continuing a strong relationship with Jesus and owning a personal relationship with Jesus. So let's pray. God, we just, right now, we specifically want to lift up this Generation Z to you as um, this generation that is maybe kind of confusing and, and kind of still we're trying to figure out who they are, Lord, but we know uh, uh, that they can be mighty kingdom builders. And we believe that with all of our heart. And so, Lord, I pray that all of us would just um, be willing to reach out to this next generation and, and guide them through their faith journey. In Jesus' name, amen. So really, the theme for today is this, how to come alongside the next generation now. How to come alongside the next generation now. If you're a student in this room, middle school, high school, maybe younger in this room, um, I want you to start to view adults differently. Because I, I don't want you to see uh, adults as kind of these old people that, that don't really understand you. I want you to see these adults as, as people that want to understand you. They want to understand your generation, and they care for you. Adults in this room, whether you're old, you're young, you're a parent, you're single, it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, I want you to see your role within the current kids and students and how you can have a giant impact on their faith journey. So like I said, today we're going to talk about the, the two main things within it. Uh, we're going to look at the church as a whole within the community and really how to function in, within that. I think 2,000 years ago, when, when the church was still forming, we saw the church, they shared possessions, they, they did life together, they shared meals, they met daily, not just weekly, together. And they had this intergenerational relationship. I even like to think that as they were meeting, as these families were coming together, they saw each other's families' kids as their own. They took on this responsibility to come alongside other families for the sake of the gospel. And 2,000 years later, that might seem a little bit weird because we don't even want our in-laws living next door to us, even in the same city. Like, we, we might think that's a little weird because we're so used to the rhythm of coming in and leaving, but this idea of intergenerational church is way different than multi-generational church. Multi-generational church, you know, we have babies all the way up to, to grandparents in the same room, but if they're not interacting with each other, if they're not having spiritual conversations with each other, if they're not sharing what God is doing in their life, we're missing the point. We're missing a huge aspect of what it is. And then we're going to look at parents. Whether you have a one-day-old or a 60-year-old, you're still the biggest influence when it comes to a kid's faith. And there's people like me that, that don't have kids or anything like that, but we can take some of those principles on how to walk alongside families as, as our Fieldstone's mission is to ultimately transform family trees with the gospel. Uh, first thing is, I kind of want to look at some statistics the first thing is, uh, I want to look at, uh, there was a study that was done by Fuller Institute that studied seniors coming out of high school. And as they were studying this, they, they studied a bunch of students, and they did it over six years, and what they found throughout the study, and let me preface this, this study was through church kids. Kids that went to church weekly, 
came from families. They were youth group kids. These weren't like twice or three times a year type of kid. It wasn't like a mass study. It was very specific, specific targeted kids. And what they found was that throughout the six-year span, uh, 50% of them walked away from their faith. 50%. Now, that statistic is, should be shocking because it's shocking when I heard it. It's, for example, if you knew that all road trips that you went on, 50% of them got in like car accidents, you would do everything possible to lower that statistic. And the same should be true with this. When we hear that idea that 50% of kids walk away at their faith at that high school, whether they move into college or whether they go into career, trade, or military, whatever it is, 50% of them do walk away. Now, first of all, I do want to preface this, that you know, we believe that the Holy Spirit has a plan. We don't understand God's design. We don't understand God's plan for everyone's life. But I do think it shows us some, like, blinders that the church does have and some ways that Satan loves to attack us. But here's, here, here's another even shocking statistic. Majority of them, or even specifically of that 50%, 80% of those seniors in high school as they went through that study, 80% of them did not plan on walking away from their faith. They didn't plan it. It was something that just happened naturally as they started going through life. That, that statistic really stuck with me. That majority of them didn't, didn't plan on it. And then even going, but there is hope because a majority of those students uh, do later in life do come back to their faith. About somewhere, some studies say from 30 to 60% of those students that do walk away come back at some point, whether 20s, 30s, 40s, like they, they do come back and they re-engage their faith. And really what the point is, is from the senior year to probably their mid to late 20s, there's this point where all these students are, are shelving their faith. They're putting their faith up on a shelf and they're walking away and about one third of them don't come back to it. One third of them don't re-engage their faith. So today we're going to talk about this cliff. What can we do? What are, what are we doing? Throughout the study, I found this, that six out of seven graduating seniors, six out of seven, did not feel prepared in their faith as they headed off to their next step in life. They didn't feel prepared. And a lot of that has to do with the way that the church is set up. Overall, when you think about adult interaction with kids and specifically middle school and high school, when you think about the adult interaction, uh, it's very low. Yeah, we have some awesome small group leaders right now and leaders in the back taking care of kids, holding babies. We have some great leaders that help, help out with the middle school and high school group. Like we have some great people, but overall as the church as a mass, the percentage of adults interacting with other kids and other generations uh, and within that, like spiritual conversations or even life conversations, is really low. It's really tiny. And, and, and really vice versa, adults, we're, we're doing the exact same thing. Because honestly, we love and we think, you know, it's appropriate sometimes, but to have conversations within our, uh, the people in the same phase of life as us. 
And that's who we're attracted to. I mean, that's how a lot of the church is set up, where we, we have our small groups in the same phase of life and stuff like that. But if that's all we do and we neglect other generations, we're really missing the point. Now, what I'm not saying is this. What I'm not saying is that we don't need kids' ministry or we don't need student groups or high school groups or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all because guess what? The attention span of our average kid is six minutes. A goldfish is seven. Like, listen, so during my talk, I will lose you five times and I know that. All right, even some of you adults, I will lose. All right, so the solution isn't getting rid of uh, of these ministries. Ultimately, the solution is to get adults out of their seats and into kids' lives. The solution is to get adults out of their seats and into kids' lives. And I think the church has done a bad job at that. A lot of times, People almost view church like as a dry cleaning service, you know, drop off your kids or listen to the pastor and then hopefully that they got something and, and that's really where it ends. But I think that plays into the statistic. Um, listen to this. There was a study done and through the study that, that they did and the, one, the same one I'm referencing, uh, they found a high correlation to seniors in high school, and as they went through college, there was a high correlation to them uh, picking a church, uh, attending a church, staying connected to a church, keeping their own faith simply by this. How many adults knew their name? How many adults in the church knew their name? Not had spiritual conversations, not met with them weekly, came up and said, hello. Hello. There's a simple correlation because a lot of the problem is that kids don't feel a part of the larger body. They don't feel known within it. Within the kids' ministry especially, I've done a lot of ministries within student groups and middle school and high school. We have this kind of ratio thing. We have a ratio of five to one. Man, if we have one leader, one adult caring leader for every five kids as like a, a youth group or as a ministry, you're considering yourself doing pretty good. Like you got like a good, uh, a good foundation to work at. But throughout this study, what they found through these, these kids and through these six years is that we actually have it reversed. That they found that students that had a five to one ratio, five caring adults outside of their family that they felt connected with, tend to stick with their faith. Parents, listen, this is outside of your family. This is huge. If that statistic scared you as much as it scares me, and and this isn't like a scare tactic or anything like this, this is just a reality of what our kids are heading towards then we need to find those caring adults, not only just to have spiritual conversations and Bible studies with, but to do life together. Listen, if everyone in this room, within our church, just knew one person's name, committed to pray for them, and maybe have a spiritual conversation every once in a while, we would totally be transforming family trees. We would step up, we would come alongside each other as a family and watch trees be transformed. But the reality is sometimes within the larger picture of the church, that isn't happening. 
And through the study, they found this, that high school seniors don't feel supported by adults in their congregation. Just so overall, they don't feel support uh, by the adults in the congregation. And this isn't just happening during their senior year. It's a slow process. So what do we do? As a church, I love Justin's uh, talk a couple weeks ago when he talked about making disciples. He said something very simple. Pass it on. Pass it on. Adults, you have a lot of knowledge, you have a lot of wisdom that you can pass on to the next generation. I'm not just talking about your kids. I'm talking about within other generations within this church because that's what an intergenerational church does. They mingle, they talk, they have spiritual conversations with, with uh, people within different phases of life and different generations. If everyone in this room just was willing to get up out of their seat, walk up and say hi and meet the generation sitting around them, we would be able to start accomplishing that mission. And, and if you just went up and, and got a name and began an intergenerational uh, relationship, because studies have shown that intergenerational relationships, people that have them transition better in their faith. Students and kids in this room, you're super annoyed with me right now. <laughs> I just told every adult to get up and come and talk to you, didn't I? <laughs> yes. But listen, listen, there's a lot of cool adults in this room. There's people in this room that are working the job that you want. There are people in this room that have skills and trades that they can teach you. Trust me, they're good stuff to learn. There are people in this room that would love to have conversations with you about life drama because they've been through it. And there's people in this room that just want to go fishing with you because they have a boat, so ask them. Like, that's, that's good stuff. Um, so students and kids within this room, intergenerational relationships are good. They're healthy. Now, parents, parents, um, I'm not letting you off the hook. <laughs> You're not like, well, go take care of my kids, church. No, that's not the point uh, of today. That was how the church can come alongside each other in helping a parent uh, influence and, and influence their faith as they continue that faith journey. Now, uh, parents, I want to tell you something. It is this. You are the single most important influence in a kid's faith. The single most important influence in a kid's faith is their parent. I want to read Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21. It's maybe a verse that you're, you're familiar with. It says this, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. So specifically talking to parents. And you shall bind them as, sign, as signs on your hands, and they shall be as forelets between your eyes, and you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land and that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them as long as the heavens are above the earth. God gave some important roles to you parents. And he's given you an outline on what that looks like. This verse is strong, it's powerful, but in reality it's quite simple. Live your faith in front of kids, in front of your kids, and talk about your faith with your family. 
Pretty simple. Live your faith in front of your kids and talk about your faith with your family. Because when it comes to a kid's faith, and as you see them go through their own journey on faith, I, I kind of want to say this, is that what you see in your kid's faith is exactly what they see in you. What you see in your kids is exactly what they see in you. You have the largest influence on your kids. And here's the secret. They watch you. They see all the things you do. They hear all the words that you say. You are their number one model on what it looks like to have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. And the good news is this, that it's never too like late to start practicing that. It's never too late to start modeling that for them. Here's a statistic that kind of blew my mind. Uh, a study done through 11,000 kids and students, they found that only 12% of kids had life and spiritual conversations weekly with their mom. 12%. And only 9% with their dad. This isn't to discourage us. Maybe you're like, oh, I could see how, yeah, that would, that would make sense in my family. This is to discourage us. This is to show us really how simple and how much room for improvement there is to lower that percentage of 50%. And, and, and ultimately, uh, it's not to discourage us, it's to lower the percentage. Um, students who talk about their faith with their parents tend to retain their faith. They tend to have a faith that is their own and personal grandparents in the room. I want to talk to you for a second. This was very interesting. You love them just as much as your parents, but you're still like a kind of a step, step away from their parents. But you, you play such an important role within the development of a faith uh, of a child. Listen to this study that, that grandparents who take the time to do devotion time out in the open, not even with the kids, just to, for the kids to visually see you have devotion time uh, and alone time with Jesus can start to make the connection of this idea of a personal faith. Now, it's important to get away. It's important to be quiet within our devotion time and have alone time with God. But grandparents, like when kids see you at the kitchen uh, table, opening your Bible and reading it, they start to see this idea of a personal relationship of faith. And parents, it's the exact same for you. You see, one of the biggest reasons why we see students walk away from their faith is because they've been living under this family faith. And it's almost become this tradition. Now, it's not a bad tradition. Coming to church weekly is not a bad thing. It is good. It is healthy. But if that's the only way that kids and students see their faith as a family tradition, no wonder why kids, when they hit senior year, walk away because that was their only motivation. They never saw Jesus as a very personal relationship. They saw it as a family thing. They saw it more as a tradition. Parents, really... Really, anyone who wants to make an impact on kids, um, one thing that studies have shown is that parents that do have spiritual conversations really tend to be one-sided. I want to ask you a tough question. When was the last time you... So a lot of people, as they pick up their kids and they pick up from student groups or anything like this, we encourage spiritual conversations. 
Like, what did you learn in church? What did you guys talk about? Some of you, as you walk out today from the kids' ministry, you're going to do that. You're going to listen. You're going to, you know, maybe it's putting, you know, Jesus across and coloring it and all that stuff, and you want to hear it. But the problem isn't that. The problem is parents don't take the time to answer that question themselves. Parents don't take the time to tell kids what they've learned. They don't take the time to explain what God was telling them in quiet time, in devotion, and where they've been weak, and where they need more Jesus in their life. And it's hard. But for a kid to take that and make the connection of a personal relationship with Jesus, they need to hear that. They need to see the personal relationship within you because maybe all they see is a family tradition or something that our family does on Sundays. And if we're doing that, we're missing the point. The goal is this, to go back to Deuteronomy 11. It's to live our faith in front of the kids. It's to live and talk about our faith with our family. To become a parent where your kids can have a faith that is their own, that is real, and it will stick with them no matter what they go through in life. That is ultimately what I believe everyone's goal and what their desires are for their family. And I know that if any of you have been around church the world long enough, you know that there is a cliff. You know you've heard it generation after generation. There's no hope for that next generation. Well, guess what? There is. There is hope. And the hope is when adults realize that we need to get up and interact with that next generation and stop hoping and and waiting for them to be a generation that rises up and be involved in the generation that rises up. Be involved in their life and become an intergenerational church. For everyone in this room, whether you're a kid or a student or you're a grandparent in this room, all in between, we need to start being intentional with the next generation. You need to start being intentional with the next generation. Listen, if something sparked in you and you're like, I totally have been waiting to hear that. Like, I, I do want to dive into the kids. I do want to dive in students. Um, and first of all, I'm going to put it on you. Like, there's kids and students within this room. Go give a high five. It's totally cool. Like, it, it's fine. But if you want something maybe a little bit deeper, we have kids' ministry. We have the nursery. Holding a baby is just as big as coming and supporting a family and helping them develop their family tree so that they can sit in here. The kids' ministry, and then we have student groups and and, uh, middle school and high school groups that meet, that definitely need caring adults to pour into them. If that is something that interests you, come and talk to me. And as you saw, we're doing a mission trip. Serve together as a family is, is super important within the context of, uh, of kids seeing a personal relationship. And then even in the fall, we're going to have a family-based small group where families can go into a small group together and have a conversation. If you need resources, if you'd love to have more conversations on what that looks like, come talk to me. Uh, and then also, I would recommend a book. There's a book called Sticky Faith. It's by Dr. Kara Powell and Dr. Chap Clark uh, that kind of dives into this idea of what is sticky faith, how to help this cliff uh, from not happening. And so let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. We just pray that we would just be able to interact with this next generation, that we could come alongside them 
and guide them and help them and, and really make disciples and pass on what we know. And we lift up the Generation Z to you, and we pray that we know that they can be mighty kingdom builders. We know that God has designed them perfectly for that. And so we pray that we could just be in a part, a small part in the, in the rise of this next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're kind of talking through uh, kind of some stuff, what we believe, and kind of some vision stuff at Fieldstone. So next week, Justin's going to be up here, and he's going to be diving a little bit more into family and what Fieldstone kind of believes in that and how God has designed that. And so you guys have a great rest of the day. You are dismissed.